0: all right guys you are locked on falcons i'm your host aaron freeman and today i'm taking a deeper look at the falcons week 12 loss to the tampa bay buccaneers as well as looking ahead to their week 13 matchup against the new orleans saints and focusing on their injury report you are locked on falcons your daily atlanta falcons podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day so guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, have been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at FalcFans and of course the host of this world-renowned Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Today's episode will be featuring my further thoughts on the Falcons' Week 12 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll get into some of the issues involving their offensive line, the play action, some changes to the offensive line that we could be seeing in the coming weeks, potentially with the return of Chris Lindstrom. We'll definitely get onto that later in the episode. But I want to start things off talking a little bit about their injury report leading into this week 13 game against the New Orleans Saints because of the short week uh, going into that Thursday night, Thanksgiving night matchup against the Saints. You know, we focus a little bit more on the injury report. In previous weeks, I usually sort of play – you know, unless there's something major with the injury report, don't really t- spend a ton of time talking about it. You know, it's just like, oh, well, we'll keep an eye on this guy's injury here or there. But because of the short week, because of the lack of recovery time, and because a couple of injuries are at least notable, we will talk about them initially on today's episode. So let's get into that lead story. Now, looking at the positives from the Falcons injury report is that defensive end John Kaminsky is no longer listed. With his ankle injury that had him limited last week, and caused him to miss the past two games for the Falcons. That likely means that Kaminsky is on track to return for Thursday night's action against the Saints. Perhaps he could potentially provide a spark for the Falcons' pass rush. Although, to be fair, his replacement, Jacob Tuoti-Marini, was fine in his absence these last two weeks. And other positive news, safety Kamal Ishmael was a full participant On Monday, and is now out of the concussion protocol. So, he too is on track to return for Thursday's game. This likely means that he will resume his role as the starting strong safety in the team's base defense. And while I'm not necessarily looking forward to Ishmael being in a position to have to cover the likes of Saints tight end Jared Cook on Thursday, I do think Ishmael's presence will provide a substantial upgrade, at least as run support goes than what we got from his replacement in Jamal Carter these past couple of games. And that will certainly be necessary because I don't think we'll be able to count on Saints running back Alvin Kamara being limited with an injury like he was in that week 10 matchup going into Thursday night's action. And speaking of running backs, Falcons running back Devontae Freeman was back practicing on a limited basis on Monday with his foot injury that caused him to miss the past two games as well. And, Given that it's a short week, it still remains to be seen if he's on track to play Thursday. But uh, this you know, update and upgrade from last week where he missed all the practices the last two weeks, really, uh, this is definitely a step in the right direction. And while I know there's many people out there that have basically turned the page on Devontae Freeman in terms of his presence and value to this Falcons offense, I do think there's a possibility that his presence could you know provide a potential spark to the running game and certainly should at least help the team out in the passing game, both as a receiver and as a guy that can handle his responsibilities better uh, in pass protection. Now, let's get into some of the negatives from the injury report, and I think the biggest concern right now is the status of wide receiver Julio Jones and his shoulder injury that kept him out on Monday. Uh, he suffered that injury during Sunday's loss to the Buccaneers, And it only caused him to miss some snaps. And other than that, Julio had a relatively quiet day. He had a couple of key catches in the game. But outside of maybe two or three big plays in that game, he didn't really do a lot against the Buccaneers. He also didn't do a ton against the Saints going back to that Week 10 matchup. Um, And, you know, obviously that's not good for the Falcons when Julio is quiet. And the hopes are that he can rebound and have a big game but certainly the chances of him rebounding and having that big game against the Saints this week goes down significantly if he's not fully healthy, especially since he was already nursing a foot injury from last week. So right now, the fact that Julio was out on Monday isn't necessarily a major, major concern because most weeks when he's nicked up, he gets Wednesdays off and then goes back to work on Thursdays and Fridays. We saw that happen last week. But given that this upcoming week is a shortened week, You have to be a bit concerned that his missing Monday's practice is not due to the quote-unquote usual maintenance that the Falcons usually use to keep Julio fresh, and that's going to be something to keep an eye on for the rest of the week because, of course, there are potentially huge ramifications for how effective the Falcons' offense can be if the opposing team isn't necessarily concerned with Julio Jones. The other injury I think is worthy of keeping an eye on is tight end Luke Stocker, who was also out Monday with a back injury. That's a concern not because Stocker is an essential role in this offense, but just because the Falcons are kind of running out of bodies at the tight end position. Austin Hooper is already out with a knee injury, and there are no indications that he's coming back anytime soon, unlike Freeman. Uh, He's missed the last two games. And the Falcons have basically been going with just two active tight ends on their 46-man game day roster in Hooper's absence these past two weeks. And if Stocker is limited or out this week, then they'll be stuck really with one tight end in Jaden Graham. So that probably means there's a strong possibility that the Falcons will sign a tight end uh, this week to potentially fill the void there. And that could be a practice squad player like Carson Meyer, or that could be a possible veteran like Logan Paulson, who was with the Falcons during training camp. As far as other Monday injuries, I'm not too concerned about cornerback Desmond Trufant's toe injury—he's been was limited on Monday, and it's likely that case of you know the quote-unquote maintenance issue that he had a, a week ago. Uh, you know, defensive end Tack McKinley was limited with the shoulder injury as well, but did manage to play uh, through that injury on Sunday against the Box. He played only 13 snaps, and mostly it was a as a designated pass rusher on obvious passing downs. But my guess is that his injury is going to be one that lingers for a while now. And if he was able to play through it on Sunday with that injury, I do think I do expect him to be able to play through it on Thursday, albeit he'll probably likely be limited. But again, if if John Kaminsky comes back this week, that will at least give the Falcons a little bit more depth at that defensive end spot. So there's your locked on Falcons lead story. And we'll continue today's conversation by getting into my additional thoughts on the Falcons Week 12 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll look at some pro football focus stats that I think paint a picture that uh I think we're all aware of, but we'll get into the nitty-gritty of that coming up on today's episode. And before we get there, I do want to let you guys know that the college football season, you know, even though it's getting close to the end, it is still going strong. And you want to check out a whole host of college football shows that are daily on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including the Lockdown Bulldogs podcast, where you guys can get the lowdown on everything Georgia Bulldogs related. And of course, you can find that on whatever podcast platform you're listening to My Voice right now, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So we know at the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time, and watch some football. And whether you're watching Jameis Winston throw picks or Calvin Ridley running deep into the end zone for touchdowns, There's nothing quite like the NFL, and there's no better way to watch the game and make it even more exciting than to bet on it. And so you should do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and I think it's where you should too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. So if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, Just like me, you should try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. But no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to do so. So join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON to double your first deposit. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Now, going back and watching the Week 12 game between the Falcons and Bucks, there wasn't a ton of things that really jumped out to me upon second viewing. You know, I think the Falcons simply didn't take advantage of the opportunities that they had on both sides of the ball. And I think the Bucks made plays and the Falcons didn't. You know, it sounds cliche, but it, it often is true. So, you know, I wanted to look at some pro football focus stats that I think will add some further context to the many of the things that you and I both saw on Sunday. These are some of the things that I touched upon in yesterday's rapid reaction episode. But we talked about the amount of pressure that Matt Ryan faced. According to Pro Football Focus, Matt Ryan was pressured on 41.5% of his dropbacks, which among the quarterbacks that had at least 10 dropbacks this past Sunday, that was the fifth highest rate in the league. In contrast, Jameis Winston was pressured on just 16% of his dropbacks, which was the lowest of the 27 quarterbacks that had at least 10 dropbacks this past Sunday. Of course, Winston was just one of five passing for 13 yards when he was pressured, um, and 17 of 23 when he kept clean. So clearly... If the Falcons had gotten a little bit more pressure on Jameis Winston, it could have had a much more negative impact on the success he had throwing the football. You contrast that with Matt Ryan, who was 4 of 15 when he was pressured. According to Pro Football Focus, Jake Matthews and Caitlin McGarry were tied for the team lead with six pressures allowed. McGarry gave up two sacks and three hits among those six pressures. Matthews had it credited with a sack and a hit among his six. Uh, Jam- Jamon Brown and James Carpenter both had four pressures each. Wes Schweitzer came in for 31 snaps and had gave up two pressures. Luke Stocker had two. Brian Hill had one. Alex Mack had one. And Ryan Matt Ryan was credited with a hit as well. And we'll certainly circle back to the offensive line later on today's episode. But I also want to talk a little bit about the play action. I talked about this a little bit on yesterday's episode and how it didn't work. Um, looking at the numbers according to Pro Football Focus, Matt Ryan was 4 of 9 on play action passing plays for 38 yards resulting in a yards per attempt of 4.2, which is not very good. For those that are curious, what you're looking for in terms of a YPA or yards per attempt, you're looking for something like in the 9 or higher range. Ideally, you'll get in the 10 or 15 range or or potentially even higher than that. Um, And, you know, that's what the Falcons had in week 11 when Matt Ryan's YPA was 14.1 against the Panthers. But that Week 11 game against Carolina was kind of an outlier as far as Matt Ryan's overall effectiveness via play action this season. Against the Colts, the Titans, and the Cardinals, those are the only other games where Matt Ryan's YPA in that individual game was nine or higher. Every other week, it's been below that, num- that mark. And so, in fact, if you were to basically take the Week 11 game out and treat it like an outlier, Matt Ryan would rank 32 out of 38 quarterbacks in terms of his yards per attempt on play action passes even if you threw the week 11 numbers back into the equation, it only bumps him up to 27. So he's in the bottom half of the league near the bottom in terms of yards per attempt. And you should remember as a reminder, Matt Ryan was in the top 10 in that metric in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018 for four years straight. And I think, you know, the, on the opening drive where the Falcons, it was the first down, I think right after the big gain from uh, Jaden Graham, when the Falcons were you know, in goal-to-goal situation and they ran a play-action fake, I think it was the first down play. And that, to me, was a play that was a weird design play. And that was a play, if you can't recall, they tried to do a rollout and Matt Ryan was pressured. And because he had pressure in his face, he threw it out the back of the end zone. Um, and that was just a kind of a weird design play. You know, the, the offensive line, the Falcons offensive line blocked left, like they were running an outside zone run to the left. But Brian Hill, the running back in that situation, instead of going left and Matt Ryan then faking it to him and then rolling out to his right, uh, Brian Hill immediately went out into the right to the flat, which meant that the backside defender, that defender on that side of the ball on the right side of the Falcons offense, who was going to be unblocked with the offensive line slanting to the left was ba- wasn't there was no run fake for him to get fooled on because the running back went in the opposite direction of the blocking, so that guy just ran straight at Matt Ryan completely unblocked, and then you know the pressure came off of you know the edge unblocked, and Matt Ryan was forced to throw it away and so I wonder if that play was just a bad design, or did Brian Hill mess up that play and was supposed to at least fake to the left and then go out into the flat or just go completely out to the left so I have no idea but Let's give Brian Hill the benefit of the doubt. He ran the play as it was designed. That's a bad design for a run-action play. Like, that's not selling anybody on the run-action because there is no run-action. Your offensive line is moving to the left, but that backside defender is not going to get faked out at all because the running back's not running to the left. So that, to me, is symptomatic of some of the issues that the Falcons have had this season as far as why their play-action is not very effective because at least that instance shows that sometimes it's just poorly designed play-action passes. The last little tidbit we'll touch upon before we move on is looking at the defensive pressure, and that generated from the defensive side. According to Pro Football Focus, Adrian Claiborne was credited with the team lead of four pressures. Deion Jones had one. Tyler Davison had one. Brady Jarrett had one. Vic Beasley had one. Tack McKinley had zero on 11 snaps, rushing the quarterback, and Alan Bailey had zero on 17 snaps. So clearly those guys did not get the job done. This past week. So we'll come back and and talk a little bit more about the offensive line and, and potentially some changes, what the Falcons will plan to do if and when they decide to bring back Chris Lindstrom from injured reserve. But before we get there, you guys should treat yourself to a meal that you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get five dollars off their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. And for those of you listening on the go and you can't use the DoorDash app right now, you can find this and all other offers from our locked on sponsors at lockedonpodcasts.com slash offers. So I thought it was interesting listening to Dan Quinn on Monday talk about the offensive line in his press conference. And he was asked about the players that have stood out positively to him this season. And he named Caleb McGarry, Jake Matthews, and Alex Mack. And it seemed he was talking about getting better play from the Falcons' interior line this year by not mentioning any of the guards. And, you know, he talked about James Carpenter fighting through injuries. He talked about Wes Schweitzer, you know, got mixed in the lineup on this past Sunday. No mention of Jamon Brown. And, you know, I thought that was interesting. Rewatching the game, unlike most weeks where Jamon Brown goes out of the game, I don't know if it was because of an injury. As I've mentioned previously on this podcast, Jamon Brown has now played nine games this season. He's missed two entire games due to injuries, but he's only managed to play every snap in a game in just three of those nine games with five games that he has missed prior to Sunday where he has missed at least one snap due to an injury, whether it was a hand injury or knee injury or back stuff or whatever the case may be, seems like he's getting nicked up every single week, and those have been issues that have been plaguing him throughout the season. But it, it, you know, for the most part, those nagging injuries have caused him to miss a handful of snaps here or there. You know, five snaps here, nine snaps here, two snaps here, or whatever the case may be. But you know, outside of those two games where he missed a game entirely, it hasn't been nothing major. Since it's been nagging injuries. But I think Sunday might have been the first time that he missed, he was pulled from the game, and it was just simply because the Falcons wanted to give Wes Schweitzer another look. I couldn't see if there was a mechanism on the previous drive that led to Brown getting pulled from the game, but maybe I just missed it. So, you know, I think with Jamal Brown, I think he's done some good things this season. I think between him and Carpenter, I feel like Brown has been the better player. However, I do think that you can make the case, or I, I would at least maybe attempt to make the case that since the bye week, I think Carpenter might have overtaken him or at least closed the gap a little bit on that. I don't know if Brown has been as good in in the last two games going into Sunday. Um, So one does wonder um, about when Chris Lindstrom does return, whether or not, you know, we know Lindstrom's going to be reinserted to the right guard position, but the question was going to be, okay, if Lindstrom goes back to playing right guard, then who's gonna play left guard? Is it gonna still be James Carpenter or would the Falcons move Jamon Brown back there? We know that they were competing directly for that left guard spot during training camp and, and, you know, it was neck and neck down to the wire type of competition. And again, when you factor in that, you know, the, the argument that Jamon Brown has been better than Carpenter this year, it makes sense that the Falcons would put Brown there over Carpenter. But when you consider what Dan Quinn's words were on Monday and then presumably his actions on Sunday as far as, you know, potentially benching Brown, you know, all those things that have happened over the last 24 hours, it seems unlikely that the Falcons would make Brown their new starting left guard, which, you know, I think they can be justified a little bit because, you know, you don't want to completely throw off your continuity, you know, this late in the game. Um, if, If you feel like Carpenter and Matthews are getting on the same page, then you would have to force the you know, Matthews and and Brown to get on the same page. So I get it. Um, But obviously this is not great for the Locked On Falcons brand because obviously we had Jamon Brown as a guest on this podcast back during the summer, and everybody gets the podcast bump when they come on the show. And, of course, the podcast bump isn't necessarily working out for Jamon Brown if he winds up going to the bench after Chris Lindstrom comes back. And I'm not necessarily a conspiracy theory guy. You guys know this. But I do have a conspiracy on this one. Um, in addition to the not wanting to disrupt continuity, you know, you want to throw out the conspiracy theory that, you know, Chris Morgan, the Falcons offensive line coach, given that he has past experience with J- James Carpenter from their days in Seattle, it suggests that he may trust him a little bit more. And when push comes to shove, Morgan is going to roll with Carpenter over Brown. And that ultimately seemed to be the case at the end of training camp uh, when the Falcons chose Carpenter over Brown, even though. I felt like, from my observation, and I've talked to other people that felt this way, that Brown kind of outplayed Carpenter, although it wasn't like it was clearly, you know, Brown won the job, but it was just like, I feel like Brown was slightly better. So, you know, I think, but again, that goes back to one of the reasons why, at least going into the summer, that I sort of expected Carpenter to win the starting left guard spot because of that, you know, experience between the coaching staff. Um, and him, you know, from my eyes, I think Brown has been better, but obviously the Falcons have a different set of eyes, especially when it comes to offensive linemen, rest in peace, Harlan gun, rest in peace, James stone, rest in peace, Ben Garland. It is kind of what it is at this point in time. So, you know, I feel like there's a high probability that two months from now, we'll have a new head coach who's going to bring in a new offensive coordinator and probably a new offensive line coach. And we'll see if they'll be up to those guys to make the quote unquote, right calls in in regards to the Falcons offensive line next year. And we'll see what those are. So, um, yeah, that's all I have to really say about that. We'll see, you know, hopefully Lindstrom's will be returning not this week, but hopefully next week. I don't know. We'll see. There's no def- definitive timetable at this point in time. I, I guess like he's got to start practicing at some point. So hopefully Lindstrom returns. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it works. So hopefully he'll re- still, re- you know, we might get him back for the, uh, was it the Jaguars game or the 49er game? I don't know. No, the, the second Carolina game. Good grief. We're still not out of this NFC South. slate. Like, oh, uh, good grief. So hopefully with the extra days off, he'll he'll be able to come back for that game. And we'll get him back for that. But we'll we'll just have to sort of wait and see how it all, you know, plays out. I say that, you know, oh maybe Carpenter's closed the gap on Brown these last couple of weeks, but we could be having a very different conversation, you know, two weeks from now or whatever the case may be. So We'll just have to see how everything plays out, and then we'll just have to revisit this offensive line in the offseason when all things play out and what, you know, what new blocking scheme the new coach comes in, all that sort of stuff. So it's a work in progress, clearly, based off of the performance on the field and and will continue to be. But uh, I do think, you know, you reap what you sow is what I always say. And if the Falcons are reaping or sowing the seeds, I'm – completely butchering this metaphor um if they're sowing the seeds now for having a good offensive line hopefully they will reap it down the field but obviously it's not necessarily paying off for them in a immediate fashion as they probably hoped which you know goes back to 2014 with the whole toughness and all the free agent moves they made that year and it's just the way it works in the league sometimes you know history is cyclical cyclical, as they say but uh there you have it guys there's Today's episode. Tomorrow we'll be back with a crossover previewing Thursday night's action. If you guys have questions that you want, I still haven't decided in the last 24 hours on how I want when I want to do the Q and A and the All 22 review. If I want to put that up Saturday or if I want to wait till Monday. But go ahead, send in your questions now. If they come to you, you can do so via Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, as well as via email. At mail dot com, but we'll definitely have a show for you guys Wednesday, previewing Thursday night's action. We'll definitely have a show Friday, recapping, giving you the rapid reaction of Thursday night's action, and we'll play the rest by ear. We'll 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 have something up by Monday, but I don't know if we'll put something up Saturday or Sunday or or whatever the case may be. So, uh, of course, that's something that you can provide your feedback. You know, if you want to escape from the family and and, and leftovers this weekend, of course you can. Uh, do so by checking out the Locked On Falcons podcast on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya, as many more. So, until then, end. Guys. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.